0: Today we will be discussing the career of the legendary Canadian singer Celine Dion and we will be discussing her diagnosis of Stiff Person Syndrome. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Still not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic from medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today we will discuss the career of singer Celine Dion. Celine recently disclosed to the world her diagnosis of stiff person syndrome. And in our second half, we will discuss this mysterious neurologic disease.
1: And as a bonus, it's 2023, Asif Doja will be singing... Was it three or four Celine Dion songs? I know I that you I think we decided to... on
0: zero. Oh,
1: New Year, same Asif. But huh? Happy
0: New Year, Ali. It's We're Happy in 2023 now. So we were off for a couple of weeks. And, you know, people don't know this. They may know if they follow Ali on Instagram. We went to Dubai, Ali and I and some mm-hmm. of our friends. Tell everybody how Dubai was, Ali.
1: Dubai is so technologically advanced that i'm a little bit sad to be back in canada if i'm being honest with you i love this country but man we are like the amount of discussions and board meetings and god knows what that has to happen before anything takes place is it's actually embarrassing it feels like when i was in dubai i don't know if you felt this vibe it feels like somebody has a thought on a friday and building mm-hmm. starts commencing on on monday <laughs> yeah. like it really feels like things are moving at an incredible pace and you know to the point where there's this museum of the future absolutely gorgeous exterior nothing i've ever seen like before we were watching the football game we were watching france and uh who are we watching again it's so long ago no, no, we, we were watching a world cup game we were watching argentina yeah. and croatia Argentina, Croatia, and there was a a couple from Netherlands recommending we go to this Museum of the Future. I was like, okay, you know what? I think I have to do this. I look it up. It's gorgeous. And then I read about it. It is the view of what the future will look like in 2070. That's what this museum is. And I I couldn't bear the thought of comparing what Dubai thinks the world will look like in 2070 and then Canada, where we're probably still going to be discussing, you know what, maybe we should have a, high speed train in this country. Wouldn't that be cool? Ottawa and Toronto linked by something that goes 250 kilometers an hour. Anyway, I just, you come back a little bit bitter. The world out there is, it's moving. It's moving. It's, things are happening. Don't let, uh, don't let the media fool you and think that it's, uh, you know, some backwards place. It is crazy advanced and the food quality was better. The air quality was better. I was say, yeah. I'm excited to go back. Yeah. What were
0: your thoughts? Yeah, you it about? was. Uh, it's an unbelievable city. There's just so much going on there. People call it the Las Vegas of the Middle East. I don't know if that's quite accurate, but is as you said, it's this technological hub, this industry hub, business hub. It's just
1: it's it's another level, man. Uh, it's and you actually went back a little bit earlier. I moved on to Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi has got a very interesting thing where the way they are competing with Dubai, because in many ways they can't. Mm-hmm. They have a real emphasis on green, on the environment. They're planting all these mangrove trees and the mangroves are the intention is that they will offset some of the um, the pollution that the city creates. So that was another interesting thing to see in that region. It's not a completely sort of reckless mm-hmm. building with no regard for the climate and for the world we live in. So anyway, something to look into folks. Yeah, huh? for this sure. Portion, this portion of the show is brought to you by the UAE Tourism Board.
0: Okay, Ali, so uh, Celine Dion has been in the news lately because of this diagnosis of stiff person syndrome. We'll talk about that in our second half. But I thought for the first half, we should just talk about Celine Dion, you know, a Canadian icon. And so let's start from the start. When did you first hear about Celine Dion? You, as opposed to I, you grew up in Quebec and she started off here career in Quebec singing in French. So tell us about how you kind of got exposed to when you heard about her.
1: I don't think you can talk about Celine Dion without talking a little bit about the star system that exists in Quebec that does not exist in Canada. I think with her talent, she would have still made it huge if she was Canadian, but it would have been a longer road and more of a struggle. Like if she was and, like yeah.
0: grew up in the rest of Canada, not in Quebec, is what exactly right. Mean, exactly. She's, Canadian, I mean, look,
1: somebody but, might, yeah. right now, somebody might, be, well, Shania Twain is yeah, uh, yeah, an yeah. example of somebody yeah. who's, although Shania Twain made it big in Nashville, right? There was, she got this American sign off, and only then do Canadians go, oh, I guess Shania is, uh, is good, you know? So, Canada, again, this is like a real taking a huge crap on Canada episode so far. That's not the intention. But Quebec does have a star system. Quebec does, and what I mean by that, if you're not aware, it means quite literally there are, you know, systems in place to help support, encourage, and foster talent when it's shown. And also, there is something in the people of Quebec where they just quite simply will support their own. And you see this in many different communities. You know, I've talked about my friend Maz Jobrani, who we've had on the show. Maz, you know, the Persian community will go and support him wherever and whenever he comes out with something. Angelo Saroukas is a Greek friend of mine. Same thing. The French Quebecois are the same. They will support people, which is why you have all these comedians in Quebec, we've talked about this, who are millionaires and they have never left The border of Quebec, many of them, they have been just able to tour, you know, somewhere between 19 and 40 cities around Quebec year after year after year and people come out, people support them. So that has a big, that plays a role in my mind in who Celine Dion is and who she became. But yeah, definitely growing up in Quebec did have an impact because even though you're right on the border as an Ottawa and growing up, you, you wouldn't have access to the same channel. So she, we had you know predominantly French channels, particularly in the south shore of Montreal, where I grew up as a young kid. You know, she started when she was not even a teenager quite yet. So, she was like, you know, think of in Canada, maybe like a Nikki Yanofsky or some young kid singing an anthem. And people go, Oh, that's interesting, we should keep an eye on her. This was that on steroids. She was really something special from a young age. So It was at age 12, she apparently wrote her first song, and then her mother and one of her brothers sent this song to René Angelil. People will know that name if they know Celine Dion. We'll talk about René in a little while, but René was a big deal. He was already managing the career of Jeanette Renault. if you know Quebec songstresses, Singers, I believe is the word I'm looking for. If you know Quebec um, music, Jeanette Renault is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, no, legendary. Like, yeah. Legendary and, and also a legend in the Dion family as well. So the mother believed in her daughter so much. She was like, I'm just going to send your cassette to one of the best impresarios, agents that exist in Quebec. And she sent it to Rene Angelil. As it turned out, he was just parting ways with Jeanette Renault in that time where he got the cassette and then he, um he went all in on Celine Dion. I remember hearing that he mortgaged his home for her first album, which is, you know, a weird story because if you're managing Jeanette Renault, you should have enough money for first. Anyway, that's, that's a whole other story. But yeah, so it was like early eighties. She's singing on television for the first time. 1981. She's singing on a talk show. This is a Michelle Jasmine's talk show probably didn't get, you know, further than the Quebec borders. Quebecers are, Immediately in love with her. Then she's singing just a few years later. She's singing in France. We got uh, TV 5 We got a number of French channels. So it's like, oh, that's our Céline Dion singing in France. So she was promoted from the beginning and early 80s. She would have been, if she's born in 1968, she would have been, yeah, just between the ages of 12 and 15. And she was all over the world. She was getting these uh, Felix Awards which is recognized the, the you know the best in Quebecois music she sang for the pope in 1984 at the Olympic stadium in Montreal 60,000 people watched her sing her song Une Colom in front of Pope John Paul II right those are like the things that are happening in Quebec she's then opening for um another singer uh, Patrick Sébastien in Paris she's touring it's a big deal in Quebec you're talking about this you're hearing about this this is in the news this is in the newspapers because It's like, look, uh, you know, our hometown gal has gone on to, like, travel here and there. And then late 80s, she won a Eurovision contest, the Eurovision contest. Yeah. And um, that would have been hundreds of millions of TV viewers that watched her win that contest in Dublin. So, we, you know, the 80s was watching in Quebec this young kid become something locally and then immediately go global and then become, you know a household sort of force to be reckoned with. The eighties were insane watching uh, Celine Dion from the vantage point of a Quebecer.
0: That's so interesting because I never heard about her from the Quebec side when she was singing mainly in French. then I heard when she was like 18, I think it was Renee being very not thoughtful. That's not the right word. Strategic is the word I'm looking for about her Mm. career and thought she has the ability to be a crossover star. And people may not appreciate this. There's not that many crossover stars who become big in Quebec, singing in French, and cross over to the rest of Canada. It's actually quite rare. We can probably list a handful of them. Roque Voisin, Mitsu, like, there are a couple that did it, especially mm-hmm. in the 80s, but there's not a ton of them. And a lot of Quebec bands, they just record in English, right? There's Simple Plan and all, a lot of these bands who just say, yeah, I'm from Quebec, but I'm just going to record in English. So this was very interesting. I guess when she was around 18, she kind of left the spotlight in Quebec for a bit, learned English, like tried to polish up her English. And I Mm -hmm. heard, I don't know if this is true. I heard she got dental surgery to improve her appearance and then comes out with this album Unison in 1990. That's when I heard about her because that's her big hit from that is Where Is My Heart Beat Now? I think everybody knows this song. And that's when I first heard about her, that kind of And she became popular in not just Canada, but the rest of the English speaking world.
1: Oh, that's interesting. See, so we as Quebecers, we had a full decade of knowing who Celine Dion was before you heard about. And yeah, of course, if you didn't hear about her in 1990, if you were around, then that would have been, you're living in a cave, right? 1990 was also when she was on The Tonight Show Mm -hmm. and Jay Leno was like, you know, publicly, again, another person who was like. I predict you will go on to have an extraordinary career. Well, I mean, it doesn't take a profit at that point to uh, to see that. But yeah, she was, you know, as I said, winning Felix Awards, winning uh, Juno Awards. She won Album of the Year, Female Vocalist of the Year, I think in that same time in 1990. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of
0: course, 91, Beauty and the Beast with P.A. Bryson. I mean, huge song, it won Best Song at the Academy Awards, won Grammys. I mean, that, I think, solidified her as this breakout star. Interestingly, in 91, you mentioned the Felix Awards. She won English, English Artist of the Year, which is a bit of a kind of the Quebec voters saying, yeah, you know what? You're not actually French. You're now singing in English. So I guess she openly declined that award. She rejected it. Smart
1: strategic moves. Speaking of strategic, you don't want to lose your, the foundation that, you know, the people who built you, you don't want to lose your foundation there. I think that's, wow, that's very smart because you're not going to lose Canada.
0: You're not going to lose the the rest of the world
1: by accepting that award, right? So, yeah. Very interesting,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't have to go through her whole discography and, you know, her life in chronological order. We can highlight a couple things. But when you think about her songs, Power of Love, It's All Coming Back to Me Now, Because You Love Me, these are... Like, classic songs. You know, she's so famous. Stone Cold Bangers? Are we going to use the yeah, term we go. Stone Cold Bangers? There we go. We will. And then in 97, you know, My Heart Will Go On. That's like her signature song. What else can you say about that song? It was like number one across the world. The only thing you can do is you can sing it. I will not. (laughs) You see the listeners drop off precipitously when (laughs) that happens. Yes, exactly. You know, she is and became this icon. You know, if you see someone, if I showed you a video of somebody, you know, and I turned off the music, like the volume, and it's someone singing to, you know, their heart out and beating their chest with their fist. You'd be like, oh, that's someone doing a Celine Dion impression, right? It's just there is a certain way that she carries herself and sings that everybody around the world knows. So anyway, maybe we'll just talk about a couple interesting things about her life, Uh, a couple interesting things that I have found. Did you know that she had this dispute with the National Enquirer in two thousand? Uh, they published a false story about her saying uh, she's pregnant with twins. Her and her husband, who oh, I guess we didn't mention that. We should probably just take a detour. It's like she married her manager, Renee, right? And
1: yeah, I mean that was, you know, it's a classic. It's none of our business story, but it, you know, people make it our business. People make it their own business to be part of Celine's life. It was. You know, he'd known her since she was 12, Mm -hmm. right? As I mentioned, he was 25, 26 years older than her. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And he had watched her blossom into this woman and then they got married, but she called him the love, the greatest love of her life. And it's like, who's to say what? You know, he didn't, we know nothing about any impropriety. It's strange for some that age difference and the fact that he knew her when he was a child. A lot of people don't marry their babysitter, but I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I mean, you know, if you had talked to me 20 years ago, maybe we'd be having a different conversation, but now the poor guy passed on and not in a great way either. And, and she lost him and they built this wonderful life together. So yeah, good for her is what 2023 Ali Hassan says. Why, why not?
0: So getting back to this story, this is 2000, so we're going back quite a ways. The National Enquirer published this story about her being pregnant with twins, and she was not. And, But she... They did have twins, though. <laughs> she did, but much later. She had twins many, many years later. Um,
1: what? It, National Enquirer was like, we can see the future. Yeah, Don't you exactly. see the value of the Enquirer? It was like 10 okay. years
0: later she had twins with, with Renee. So,
1: and, 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 was she pregnant at all? No, was but any of it true? It was completely made up.
0: It was completely made up. But she was undergoing fertility treatments. So now, when you think about it, like that is quite obviously, we should probably do a whole episode on infertility. But it's obviously devastating for people, and then to have this tabloid say that you're pregnant with twins when you're not, or who knows, maybe she was and she lost the pregnancy. We have no idea what happened. So she was so upset, she sued them for $20 million and won, and she got an apology and a full retraction, and she just donated the money to the American Cancer Society. She didn't keep it. And then, of course, Hmm. the good news for her, a year later in 2001, she gave birth to her son, Renee Charles. So. And then, like I said, which also
1: highlights something else in that story. It highlights her character. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of fun has been made of Celine Dion just because she is so like incredibly earnest the way she sings. And it's like somebody who takes herself quite seriously. But that's also why she is as successful as she is and has been. But. There's nothing bad that Celine Dion has ever done. Like, she's mm-hmm. actually a wonderful, decent person. And suing the tabloids is not a bad thing. <laughs> well within your rights to do yeah. it. And But then donating the money to yeah. the Cancer Society. I mean, I don't know. I think it's worth mentioning what a sweetheart of a, a woman she is and always has been as well. And you were mentioning she got that surgery. What I had read was, I don't remember this, but she had her teeth. What are they called? These ones here. The canines.
0: Cool. They're called canines. The canines, canines yeah
1: were quite pronounced. Yeah. And so she looked, I don't know, they were like vampire jokes or whatever there were, but the, yeah, she was she was mocked for that. So she got the teeth fixed and I don't know if there was any other surgery or anything, but yeah, it was, she came back sort of, you know, more serious and more focused and more determined and like, you know, had shed that sort of uh, young image. And mm-hmm. it was like, she's a she's now a woman and she's ready to take on the world. But anyway, yeah inquirer i didn't that's a story that i remember vaguely yeah. i would have i would have known she sued the inquirer i would not have known why i would not have remembered why and the fact that she won and the fact she gave the money away
0: the other thing is you know she's a pretty savvy business Woman, her and Renee. And now, of course, after Renee passed away, as we said in 2016, she runs her whole business. Like she, he took care of that for the whole time. They were married and then now she's in charge. In the early 2000s, she was one of the first big pop singers to do a Las Vegas residency. She did a 600-show contract for five nights a week at the Coliseum at Caesars Palace, and that was eventually extended to 2007 because it was so successful. According to Billboard magazine, A New Day, which is the name of her show, is the most successful Las Vegas residency of all time. It grossed 385 million dollars U.S. back then. Now in present day dollars, that's about 500 million. And this led the led her to set the stage for other people to do residencies afterwards to try and make that kind of bank. And so, you know, very astute, you know, a trailblazer in that respect. Again, now it's not unusual to hear pop artists doing these residencies,
1: but she was kind of the, the leader in that. Sure. It also speaks to two things. One, how many Quebecers go to Vegas? And two, how much The U.S. supports stars as well, right? I personally, I don't care who it is. I'm really not going to a show in in Vegas. That's just not, I don't know. But this is the- You wouldn't do that? No, because these are like 4,000
0: seat venues. So it's not like seeing someone in a 20,000 seat arena or an 80,000 seat stadium. Like So an intimate venue with one of the biggest pop stars on the planet- I don't know, Ali, like a lot of polls, even now today, people say, who's your favorite pop singer, female pop singer, and Celine Dion wins, like even to this day?
1: I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I don't know. I've just seen too many concerts, but I've just seen too many concerts in my life. Yeah. I would go to something like Intimate 500 or less, that kind of intimate, smaller band, smaller venue, but I've just, I'm concerted out. It happened in my late thirties. I was like, I think I'm done with this. Well, Engelbert Humperdinck, I might go see. No, that's I just like saying his name. So,
0: what about the legacy of Celine Dion? Like, what do you think her legacy is?
1: Yeah, well, as you said, you know that Vegas residency says it all. She's got this like command of a number of things: her staying power, her draw, but also her voice. She ranks in that top three. She's in the pantheon, the Mount Rushmore of female singers is Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, and our own Celine Dion.
0: Yeah, a lot of people have said that they, those three people shaped modern female pop vocal stylings. You know, Randy Jackson from American Idol has said those are the three. Other people who said she's the best singer of her generation, Diane Warren, who wrote a lot of Celine Dion's hits, uh, mm-hmm. Quincy Jones, Tommy Mottola, Dave Foster, who's also produced uh, Celine
1: Dion. These are people who know a little something about good voices. And, right? I, and I don't Jones. The thing is, if
0: someone tells you that, that I think she has the best voice out of any singer in the modern era, you wouldn't be like, "Oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. You'd be like, yeah, that's true. That Singers sense, yeah. like Christina Aguilera, you know, their influences are these three women, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, and Celine Dion, right? That's that's who, and of course, so many people then emulate someone like Christina Aguilera, right? So this is how these, yeah. these things move forward. She was given the Francis Harris Award, the Knight of the Legion of Honor. She was given the Order of Canada. She's an officer of the National Order of Quebec, Canadian Broadcast Hall of Fame, Canada's Walk of Fame. I mean...
1: You know, I don't know what else to say. Well, I've got a little, some quiz material oh, for you okay, here. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. She has a home, had a home in Montreal. It's basically a castle. I call it a home. It's a castle. I've never seen anything. of The pictures are phenomenal. They sold it in 2016. It was on this island. Dude, I lived in Montreal for 30 years. Never heard of this island in my entire life. It's this, you know, near Laval and bois There was this island, private island. Her home, I encourage people to go look this up. I mean, it's really like you could film anything that is in a castle. You could film Batman. You could film, um, you know, (laughs) Game of Thrones there. You could film anything that is in an insane estate. How much did her, you know, Montreal real estate 2016, quite low. How much did her home sell for? Mm, 15 million. 25.5, 25.5, which oh is boy. like Montreal prices. That's oh, wow. insane. That's wow. like that's like 75 in other places. In 2010, okay, she did have twins, mm-hmm. Celine Dion. The twins are named Eddie mm-hmm. and Nelson. Mm-hmm. Who, who are they named after, Eddie and Nelson?
0: Nelson was named after Nelson Mandela. I remember yeah, that. I think, and, you
1: know, that? that's crazy. I didn't know that she Eddie... had that. Uh, Eddie? Well, don't know who that's named after so eddie is a guy named eddie marnay and eddie marnay was a french songwriter he wrote for many people including one of the greatest french singers of all time from france who would that be
0: edith pilaf
1: no you got it you did got, you, got it you, oh did you just say edith pilaf because yeah. that's not cool at all edith pf is yeah. her name <laughs> um, it's like rice okay. pilaf right <laughs> so, <Ew>. oh boy <laughs> edith Pilaf. yeah and yeah she named it after I him and that. he wrote for her as well yeah so she big big fan of eddie so that's where eddie and nelson came from then in 2018, so now those twins would be eight years old. Older son, René Charles, I don't know how old he would be, but a teenager at this time. She launched a kids wear brand. Do you know what the kids wear brand was called? A children's fashion brand. Mm-hmm. No, I have no idea. Dion for kids. It's called NUNUNU. N-U-N-U-N-U. Okay. Okay. And then there was a another brand which was for elderly people called old 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 (laughs) yes yes close Close, but not really Celine Celine, Nunu Nunu and Celine Nunu I don't know if they exist anymore but this is 2018 she launched these brands I'm sure they I mean the province of Quebec alone would support these (laughs) brands till the day everybody dies. yeah so just I you know wanted to Mentioned that, you know, right until 2016, she had a home in Montreal, which is about half an hour away from where she grew up as a kid. Her twins were born. And of course, you said she's a savvy businesswoman. So I said, let me just bring this up about how savvy she is. She's also in the world of uh, fashion and children's fashion. Good for her. You know, it's, uh, as I said, a lot of fun has been made of Celine Dion. None of it, like merited by her it's just as somebody who took herself very seriously and who was hyper successful and so at some point comedians feel like oh i guess they're we're punching up not punching down at this point recently my kids pulled up a video of james corden doing carpool karaoke with celine dion pretty damn good it's impressive it's really really good james corden obviously like Couldn't believe it that he was doing this. Her voice still phenomenal, as you can imagine. And she still got it. And what I love the most, really able to make fun of herself and really able to, you know, Poke fun at the character that people think she is as well. I, I would recommend that. If people are fans of Celine Dion, Carpool Karaoke with Celine Dion. It's one of the most recent things I've ever I seen will
0: check right. that out. James Corden, notable douchebag, so I'm less enthused things about I've,
1: him. I've been hearing. Yeah, I've been he's hearing. He's apparently yeah.
0: a total jerk. This is what we're hearing. Yeah, but, you know, definitely not a jerk, Celine Dion. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, I, w- w- this will segue to our next section, but I was really – actually quite upset for her when she made this announcement about the uh, about her new diagnosis. So why don't we just get into that, Ali?
1: Okay, first things first, this condition is called stiff person syndrome. I mean, this is like a gift to comedians, unfortunately. Like, there's got to be another name for this condition. No, not really. It was, we used to call it stiff man
0: syndrome, but that's not gender, oh, you know? Sake. yeah. But You're it's telling different.
1: me that shingles can have five different names, including herpes zoster, but you can't find something that's a little bit more yeah. medical? No, I mean, that's what is. we call it. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate for all parties involved, especially someone like Celine, who has already had, you know, many thing, you know, lots of fun made of her since she was a young person. The stiff person thing is, I don't know. It's not do better medical community, get a medical name. No, it's good.
0: Usually in medicine, as you said, shingles, what does shingles mean? Shingles is what's on your roof. Or we name it after somebody, we talked about (laughs) Ramsey hunt syndrome. Well, that's just the yeah. name. It's not telling you what it is. This actually, uh, you like sort of tells you nature. what it is.
1: I know, but so, it lends itself to comedian you know, jokes about yeah. being like, uh, you know, uh, erections yeah, yeah, and rigid yeah, didn't to to and that, so yeah. on and so forth. Did I not have to explain it? Okay, sounded like sounded like you were still defending stiff person syndrome. First of all, I have gone. This is what I do for you in this show. I'm so committed to this podcast that I did not look up stiff person syndrome. Well, it's and good. there have been yeah. many reasons to yeah. in the last three weeks. I also was very curious, but knowing that we were going to do this in the new year, I'm like, I'm not going to... I, I want to be genuinely interested and genuinely listening to all of this. So tell me what this is. Sure.
0: So this, as a lot of other disorders we talked about you know, over the past couple of years, it's an autoimmune disorder. Extremely rare. So what happens is... Your body makes antibodies that normally fight infection. In this case, it makes an error and starts attacking your body. And this will then cause, because it affects your nervous system, especially the neurons in your spinal cord and some of the neurotransmitters there, it gives you progressive rigidity, so stiffness of your body. That's why we call it stiff person syndrome. And muscle spasms, often of your back, we call it axial your axial areas, which is kind of your back and your core, right? And extremely painful muscle spasms, which can be debilitating. And that's essentially what it is. It can be a bit hard to diagnose because it is so rare, but yeah, that's essentially what it is. You said it is
1: extremely rare. What are we talking about? How common is this?
0: Like one or two per million. Okay. It occurs mainly in adults, very rarely in kids. There is a childhood variant described, but that's that's even more rare. So I've never seen a child with it, an adult with it. Maybe I saw one when I did my adult neurology residency, but like I did it, I did six months in adult neurology when I was training. I don't think I did. Maybe I just heard about it through somebody, but very, very uncommon. So so uncommon that many neurologists have not seen it.
1: So, also so uncommon that you don't know what causes it, how to treat it yet, or is that information no, no, out there? No, no. The cause in
0: most patients is we found these antibodies, which are called anti-GAD antibodies, G-A-D. So, that's glutamic acid dehydrogenase. So, these are, you develop antibodies to this glutamic acid dehydrogenase. What this ends up resulting in, and not everybody has those antibodies, which can make it even more difficult to diagnose, but you can have, basically what it does is it causes this increased muscle activity because you have decreased inhibition of the nervous system. So we have these various neurotransmitters in our body. One of them is GABA. So we've talked about GABA. GABA is an inhibitory neurotransmitter. So when we want to activate a muscle, we have to use an excitatory neurotransmitter. And when we want to not activate a muscle, we use an inhibitory one. If you don't have inhibition, it's like a double negative, right? You want inhibition from GABA, but then you don't have that inhibition. So so that means you're having excessive excitation of your muscles so the lack of gaba the lack of inhibition is causing increased muscle activity and that's what's causing all the symptoms that they have
1: but it's a, it's a bit of an oxymoron then that it's like called stiff person syndrome as if there would be no muscle movement stiffness mm-hmm. but in fact you're saying that it's excited muscles you have yeah, a lot that, of muscle yeah that, that's
0: an interesting thing because if you actually had no muscle movement excessive inhibition Okay. Mm -hmm. So it was the opposite, your body would be completely limp. You'd just be like lying there, flaccid. But this is the opposite, right? So this is increased excitation. So imagine you activating all your muscles at the same time, right? That that's what that's Mm -hmm. what you and that's what you see with the symptoms. So you first start with just intermittent, stiff and aching muscles, especially in your like your back, your spine. And then it progresses to what we call our proximal limb muscles. So proximal means closer to your core, hips, shoulders. And you can imagine at the beginning, you probably just think, oh, well, this is just, you know, I I just, you know, um, I'm a bit sore because I was exercising the other day or I'm just getting older. So you kind of ignore it, right? Because it's intermittent and then it becomes constant. And then you end up being kind of racked with this constant muscle spasming you'd be, you have decreased range of motion, you have slow movements, and your muscles activate so much that you get what we call muscle hypertrophy. So it looks like your muscles are getting thickened and built up, like you're working out all the time, but it's because they're being excited all the time. And you can even have abnormal postures, like a classic posture is what we call lumbar hyperlordosis. So imagine like sticking your chest all the way out, your head kind of going back, but it's because of these muscle spasms. And then you can have difficulty with walking, with bending, bending forward even, right? Because it's like your back is arching and now you have to bend over, like it becomes almost impossible to do. And so when we think about a patient like this in neurology, we say that they're statue-like or log-like, right? Because you can barely move. The other problem is you can't move things even voluntarily or even reflexively. You know, we have a reflex in people that when you fall over your hands should go out, right, to catch you. In babies that's called a parachute reflex. That's actually how we know babies are ready to walk, is you won't believe that. So around 10 months or so is when this reflex shows up because you know you're about to start walking probably within a couple months of that. So when I see a baby, if I want to see if they have a parachute reflex, you guys will be surprised that I do this. I take a baby who's like 10 months old, I pick them up, and then I put them like they' are a dive bomber head first into the bed, and they will put their arms out reflexively to catch themselves and oh, now, wow. if they don't put their arms out and don't like smash them into the bed or anything and I do it like we do it as a little game, so we're playing around, but that's how you know, and then if I see that sign, I'm like, oh, you know they're probably going to walk in the next couple of months. But that reflex is gone in these patients, so they'll fall and just smash their face on the ground right without being able to put their hands out. What else can you get? You can get a um this woody feeling of your muscles just due to the spasms—it feels like stiff, like like a piece of wood. And mm-hmm. then you—you you know when we check your reflexes, when your doctor checks your reflexes with a hammer, there, Ali, they yep. get increased yep. reflexes. So
1: these are all the different kind of symptoms that you can have. Those are the symptoms. Just going back to the cause, would Celine Dion's lifestyle, meaning the incredible amount of. You know, muscle activity. She would be going through doing the residencies that we described. Not would that have anything no, to do with this? No, And I
0: bet you at the beginning, if I had to guess what happened, I have no idea. Obviously, I bet you that's probably what she thought. She's like, I'm overexerting myself. That's why I'm getting right. all these painful muscle cramps. Okay, so the doctors are prescribing like muscle relaxers and massage therapy and physio. And then as time went on. Eventually, I don't know how it came about. She didn't quite say this in the video that she released, and we can link to that video. It was on her Instagram page about when she disclosed this diagnosis. But I'm not sure how they came about the diagnosis, but she eventually saw some neurologists who thought that, no, it's more likely this.
1: I'm kidding. So it's probably misdiagnosed. Most of the time, given that so few people yeah, in the medical community have seen it exactly. and experience with it. Or
0: delayed diagnosis in a lot of patients. And even more complicated, there can be these rarer variants. So it's already rare. And then you can have these rarer variants. One of them is in children, as we talked about. That's one variant. Sometimes it only occurs in one limb. So it's only your leg that's becoming stiff or your arm. It'd be very hard to diagnose that. Sometimes it can be associated with what's called encephalitis. So confusion, lethargy, you know, problems with the brain, Itself, not just the spinal cord. And in a lot of cases, and she hasn't mentioned if this is the case with her, it can be associated with cancer. So that's called a perineoplastic syndrome. We talked about this before when we talked about anti NMDA receptor encephalitis several months ago. But essentially, your body, instead of the immune cells attacking a virus or something like that, it's attacking a cancer. So sometimes you could develop stiff person syndrome and then you uncover a cancer that your body's been trying to fight. And then, of course, not only do you have to treat the stiff person syndrome, you also have to treat the cancer underneath.
1: So then if it is misdiagnosed so often, how do you diagnose it eventually? How do you get to the heart of the matter, whatever you want to call this?
0: Yeah, there are some clinical criteria. And again, just takes kind of an astute neurologist to make the diagnosis. So it's really just based on the story and the physical examination. Again, you see the stiffness in the muscles, the kind of what we said, the hyperlordosis with your back being um, stretched out kind of. The spasms, which interestingly, one of the diagnostic clues is they can be precipitated by unexpected noises, emotional stress, or by someone touching you, you know, and, and maybe you're not expecting someone to, like, grab you or touch you, and then you have this movement. Again, that makes you think, oh, maybe it's psychologic, right? Like, it's emotional nice. stress, but it, it, but it's not. You can do an EMG, which is a needle test where you insert a needle into the muscle, and you can see continuous activity in various muscle groups. That can give you a clue, though, yeah, that could be seen and other disorders as well. And then you can do blood work and check for those anti-GAD antibodies, which are only seen in about 60% of cases. So some patients will have no antibodies. There's also other more rare antibodies, which I won't get into, which you could also diagnose them. And then another criteria to diagnose is if you treat them with a medication called a benzodiazepine, which that's like a Valium yeah. or an Ativan, they improve yeah. with that, so that can be a bit of a clue as
1: to that's what's going on. Okay, so what is the treatment? You're mentioning treating, yeah, you know, that's like a that's not a full rigorous treatment. Is there one? Is there one that like sort of cures this? That's a good question. So
0: we could treat symptomatically with those benzodiazepines, like I said, ad, an Ativan, Valium, things like that and then there's also other medicines some anti seizure medicines have been shown to work and to try and affect the course of the of the disease and to kind of minimize it because it's an autoimmune disease we can use autoimmune medication so anti inflammatory type medication so one of them is steroids corticosteroids we've talked about that several times on the podcast to decrease the inflammation another one is ivig i can't remember did we talk about ivig before I yeah, couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you. Uh, IVIG, I don't think we did. So IVIG is when people donate blood, they donate not just their blood, but their antibodies that are circulating in their blood. So those antibodies can be separated out and put into a separate thing. And when you look at it, you hang it on IV, it just looks like clear, it's like a clear fluid. And no. you can give people those antibodies and that's called IVIG, it's intravenous immune globulin. And we no, use we definitely that. Have not talked about that. Uh, yeah, and so we use it a lot in various disorders, and you can use that to, well, no one actually knows how IVIG works in immune disorders. The, the way I explain it to patients, which is not true, but this is the way I explain it you're giving people all these antibodies and they're mopping up the bad antibodies and getting rid of them that's the way i explain it that's not actually how it works but that's the way i conceptualize it so that's another mm. thing you can do what you were asking about prognosis and what you know can you affect the the long term course so it is a chronic disorder that most people have to live with for years often it does fluctuate sometimes worse sometimes better and it can progress over time but usually, if you have the classic form, it does respond to those treatments we talked about and can mm. stabilize over time. And but, you know, up to 65% of people cannot independently perform their daily activities because of the stiffness or the falls that we talked about. Or sometimes it's just this fear and anxiety of doing something that's going to trigger the spasms right so you just paralyze with fear not paralyzed because of the stiff person syndrome but paralyzed because you think you might not be able to go Live about your daily life, life you know really yeah. difficult and then unfortunately about 10% which is quite high can have what's called paroxysmal autonomic dysfunction autonomic dysfunction is our nervous system that controls our heart rate blood pressure so you can have spikes in your blood pressure Spikes in your heart rate or lowering of your heart rate or lowering of your blood pressure. And sometimes, if your heart rate goes so low, you could have
1: just sudden death. And so that's like in mm. 10% of patients. So, what was uh, in her video? Again, another thing I didn't watch in preparation for this what is her feeling about how things are going to go? Is it sort of a big question mark for her? She doesn't know. She only knows that it's taking her out of touring and performing.
0: Yeah. I mean, she did kind of reassure her fans about having a, a, you know, team of doctors who's actively working on it. You know, you could kind of tell in her voice and demeanor that this is obviously very concerning for her and Mm -hmm. certainly affecting her life. So, um, yeah.
1: well, I can say we definitely wish her well. And I, I did want to add, you know, we talk about some of these celebrities who have these conditions. And while sometimes, you know, being interested in this is stargazing, I think from our perspective, it's more like there's two things that come to mind for me anyway. I don't know if you agree with this, Asa, But for me, it's like these are people, whether it be Chadwick Boseman, who we spoke about, Celine Dion today, Justin Bieber, these are people who have the money and resources to eat well, live well, get the best of the best of everything. And yet still some of them will, you know, have these conditions or syndromes or diseases. So it's a little bit of a shock. Like what chance does the layperson have if people who have all the access to everything are still getting these syndromes? So I think from that perspective, I I like talking about this. And the other thing is it's a bit of a a barometer, you know, when You know, rich people again who have all the money, if they can seek treatment and if there is a good treatment for something, you can sort of be comforted that maybe one day that treatment will become, you know, more available to everyone. And if they don't, you get to sort of live in fear for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that is less fun. <laughs> for me, it's just all about empathy. You know, as we were talking about before, I think it's, you know, these things can affect anyone. And, you know, as you said, I, I don't know. I just I think, you know, we put people on pedestals and sometimes make judgment about celebrities when we probably shouldn't. But we're all human in the end. And that's why the empathy uh, for people going through this is so important. So that's our show for today. Let us know what you guys thought about it. You know, obviously a concerning diagnosis for Celine Dion, and she really is a legend, not just in Quebec, not just in Canada, but around the world. Let us know what you guys thought about it. Reach out to us, Dr. V Comedian, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, not TikTok, at drvcomedian at gmail.com. Let us know what you guys thought about the episode, maybe some suggestions for future episodes. Ali, anything
1: to mention in the new year? Sure. Yeah, in the month of, this is for our Canadian listeners, in the month of January, I'll be touring 10 cities in Ontario. In March and April, I head west and I'll be touring the prairies and western Canada. And uh, we'll talk more about that as those dates approach, maybe more in February. I'll give you the exact dates. You can find the information about my tour on my website, standupali.com. And Canada Reads is coming up. We are going to announce very soon what the long list is. Before the end of January, around the 25th or 26th, we will have the short list of books. And that will give you two months, two mm-hmm. whole months to read five books, which I fully expect you to do us at Well, we'll see about that. This is your that. year, buddy. This is your year to read a book other than mine.
0: We'll see about that. That is to be determined. But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues, we talk about it for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. See ya.